Good evening and welcome to another episode of Nigeria Politics Weekly. As usual, my name is Michael and co-hosting with me is Phoenix. Today we have two guests. We have Steph, who is a lawyer and public policy consultant. And we have Frances, who's also a lawyer and a good governance advocate. But the one thing they have in common is they are both both from Anambra State in Southeast Nigeria. Now, the two topics we'll be discussing today are firstly, the, the governorship elections in Anambra State are ongoing. We don't have the results yet, so we're going to be discussing that. And then secondly, we'll discuss the collapse of the tower block that was under construction in Ikoi, Lagos. So now to our first topic, the elections in Anambra State. So Phoenix, who are the who are the front runners in that election and what are their qualifications and who 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 are you putting your money on to win phoenix hello listeners hi michael and uh hi francis and and the staff thanks for joining us this week glad to be back here um the, i mean clearly the an Ambra elections uh, for for the governorship. I mean, we, we know the three parties that are, I mean, locked in battle. Um, so clearly it's um, APGA with their, with uh, Professor Charles Soluda as their front runner. People will remember him from his time as central bank governor uh, between 2007 and, oh, let me remember my, my years now. Yeah, so he was there until 2009. So yeah, so from 2004 to 2009, and then he moved on and tried to run for governorship, wasn't successful. And latterly, he's been part of uh, Buhari's uh, um, economic advisory team, of which we bashed him a number of times here because we haven't seen anything that has moved forward. But then he's, he's now, Shown up as the front, uh, the candidate for APCA in the current elections. Um, then we obviously have uh, Andy Uba, <laughs> who is the candidate for APC. Uh, as people know, APC is the ruling party in Nigeria from a from a federal and a number of uh, states' perspective. They haven't always had a strong foothold in in the southeast, apart from. Of course, when they had Rochas as as governor of Imo State, and then latterly when they have their Supreme Court governor, I hope Uzadima, who came from fourth place uh, to take over the governorship of Imo State by virtue of a Supreme Court ruling. So they, they've thrown their hat in the ring using uh, the notorious Andy Uba of the Uba brothers fame. People who have followed Nigerian politics may, may remember that name. And the infamy that follows it, following the kidnapping of uh, of, of former governor of uh, Anambra State and now Minister for Labour uh, in the Buhari administration, and uh, then of course you have the PDP who have put forward uh, Valentine Uzibo, uh, former, if I remember correctly, I think it was former MD of uh, uh, Transco or so. I mean that massive conglomerate. And, and so it makes for a clash of the titans type scenario. Of course, we started to see some of the results coming. So it's it's a bit late to be asking me who my money is on. 
I think I think if you had asked me this a week ago, I'd have said I think Apka will shade it given their history in Anambra State. And uh, even though uh, Willie Obiano has has done as much as anyone would do to erode some of that good faith, uh, but I still thought that uh, they would shade it, especially given, I mean, for me, uh, I, I give Andy Obiano a chance. I mean, I trust Anambrans enough to know that there's no way he could make it through, no matter what APC would try to do. I thought PDP would try and make a shout of it, but I, I mean, Abga is strong, Soludo versus Uzigo. I just didn't give him a chance, and it's turning out that way from what I've seen. Uh, some of the results that have come out, I think about 21 local governments have been released from what I see, and hopefully it's true. Uh, Soludo is leading in 19 of them. So it looks like it's a procession for Soledo to be declared as governor. Um, and then, of course, uh, happy to hear from Francis and, and uh, Stephanie, who are much closer to this. And I'm sure these elections mean a lot for them being from an Amber state. Thank you, Phoenix. Before, before I go to Francis, I need to ask you a follow-up question, because you talked about the Andy Uba the Uba brothers. I think Andy Uba and Charles Saludo both worked for Obasanjo. And it's it's a very strange uh, situation because they're both Obasanjo allies, but they seem to be political rivals. And one of them seems to have a good reputation and the other seems to have a bad reputation. So how how... Is it sort of a stain on the PDP's reputation that these these two were all part of the party once? I think, I mean, I think you 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 raise a great point there. It's the, the the challenge for me is is the fact that they all manage to is the recycling thing that upsets me the most. You get my point. I would have liked our political landscape to have evolved in the sense that people of the, of this of similar ideologies band together in in good and bad times well, what happens is you see these two people who were in the pdp working with obasanjo and there was a stated way of doing things and and it wasn't perfect it wasn't i mean they were they were like what i was talking about just now and the ubaz whatever happened when he was um, in, in, in that party, but then you've seen them go go different places. I, if I remember correctly, the last time that uh, Soludo ran, I, I can't remember whether it was PDP or, or I can't remember what party he ran on that, but he's, he's gone elsewhere. He's now shown up in the Abga and the Uba has left PDP. He's now showing up in APC. And it just, it just becomes, for them, it's just a loss for power. It's just a chase after, you know, getting to... Uh, Power. But if I look at both men, I mean, their reputations are not comparable. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Andy Uba is a third that just has money. Um, that's that's how I, I, I see the guy. Um, Soludo is not, I mean, for me, when he was when he was CBN governor, I had the utmost respect for him. I still do, in terms of if I rank the, the CBN governors that we've had in recent times, he's, he's head and shoulders above the others made his mistakes and his goofs and all of that. But I mean, clearly he's not comparable to anybody else. But since then, you've seen that 
he he's moved away from that being that technocrat, that 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 person, that visionary, to being a class politician and just willing to go after power, whatever it means. And and I remember all his dodgy and funny letters and statements he was making in the run up to the twenty fifteen elections, clearly leaning towards Buhari who anybody in their right minds knew was going to be bad business. And we've also seen him get in bed with the same Buhari, even though now he's showing up in Abga. So, you know, there's also that point where you even trust what he's going to do, whether he wins elections, knowing that he's reading the Abga vehicle to victory and then and then uh, the camps or whatever. But I will still, I will still hold him a, a tad above uh, Anduba. Uh, I mean, but what you raise a great point about their political history and how, you know, in the evolution of our 20 years plus democracy, you've just seen all sorts of characters, uh, you know, evolve into a lot of stuff that you, you, you just couldn't foresee at that point in time. Thank you, Phoenix. Now let me go to Francis. Francis, you are from... Anambra State, if, if I'm correct, you're from Anam in Anambra State. And firstly, which, which candidate were you supporting? And in your view, do you think there was sufficient turnout? And do you think the vote was free and fair? Francis? Okay, thank you, Michael and Phoenix and Steph. Uh, thank you for inviting me back. I am very happy um, to be here to discuss the Anambra elections. Uh, one of the things that um, I want to talk about is, you know, the question you, is, uh, you asked me about voter apathy. You know, we know what has been happening in the Southeast. You know, back in, was it uh, in May, uh, we were saying that, oh, the Southeast is the safest region in the country, the most peaceful, but, you know, everything just changed in a twinkle of an eye, as it were. And a lot of things have been happening. It's been very, very, very unsettled as a region. And uh, we know all the, you know, uh, the things that um, have happened and why the Southeast cannot lay claim to being the most peaceful region in the country as of today. So we were, you know, uh, thinking about the election as all the, you know, all the issues um, uh, where um, all those issues were coming up, all those issues about insecurity. And some of us were wondering how this would affect the election, uh, because we know that the IPOB, uh, the elephant in the room, um, sorry, I have to mention that, they had uh, been giving you know, a lot of people flack about you know, the election, saying no election in Anambra, and then we know what their sit at home policy, what you know, it had caused in terms of the economic um, uh, uh, disadvantage it had been to, to ordinary people who were in the Southeast. So people, you know, rightly started to say, no, we're not having this. Where is this all leading to? You know, this does not make sense. So let's, you know, go back to the electoral process. Let's get people to engage with the electoral process. Let people come out to register, to vote. Uh, I know that some people on the ground in a number of states, some guys who are vocal um, and active on Twitter, led campaigns for people to register, to vote. And that was very, very, you know, what was a good thing that they did. And I was really happy because I got involved as well. So. When we talk about voter apathy, the Southeast, I think we're quite notorious for that. 
uh, and then with the IPOB um, coming into play as well, and now the IPOB is kind of a force to be reckoned with in the southeast. There's no point sweeping these things under the carpet, saying, "Oh, they are going to, you know, uh, just die away." It, this is different from what we had with the mass up to an extent. Uh, but what I think has happened in terms of election is that thankfully, uh, the IPOB uh, did. You know what they did. I think it was on the fourth of November when they said, "Oh, they were going to cancel the sit at home um, order they had put out." We know what that means. What that means was that they were not. Um, they were kind of saying, "Okay, let the elections go ahead," but maybe uh, they were not willing to be part of it. But that was a huge sense of relief, and I'm sure Steph, you know, actually. I was also as elated as I was, you know, being someone from Anambra as well. That kind of, you know, made a big difference. I don't know if that difference actually, uh, if you know, uh, we could, see, if we can see the difference in in the voter, um, uh, 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 with the you know the voter population, those who actually came out to vote. But I can imagine what would have happened yesterday and today if that call had not been put out by IPOB saying that they had cancelled the seat at home. Uh, that would have, you know, I don't want to imagine what that would have, uh, uh, what the situation would have been. But I think it, it, there was calm and I think um, relatively it was uh, peaceful. I don't think, you know, any loss of life was reported. And um, people came out to vote, you know, those who wanted to vote, they were free to move about and vote. And I remember seeing some videos on Twitter. I don't know if anyone saw them. Uh, there were two videos that I saw on Twitter. There was um, a woman, an elderly woman who was saying, I actually APC, it means we don't want APC. And she was rejecting uh, an offer of money. I think it was 5,000 Naira that she was being offered. Uh, that was really, you know, something I was happy to see. And then there was another one, maybe Steph will talk about it, about Ihela, um, the election that did not hold at Ihela, but apparently the electoral officer was, you know, had collated results and he was beaten black and blue. Uh, thankfully, he, he, he lived to tell the story, uh, but he was compiling results in favor of the APC when the, the elections had not held in Ihela. So in terms of the voter apathy, I wish more people had actually registered and more people had actually also, you know, come out to vote. Uh, but I'm really happy. I know you can probably <laughs> hear it from the sound of my voice. I am so relieved that we had uh, this election in Anambra State. In terms of the candidates, um, I wasn't really supporting anyone, to be honest. What I was saying to myself is that you know, the time has come for us in an Amber state or even in the Southeast, in Nigeria, everywhere there is going to be an election, for us to be looking at the caliber of people and saying to ourselves, we shouldn't be, you know, supporting candidates on the basis of some low level, you know, criteria. We shouldn't be doing that anymore in this age and time. So when we look at, you know, Professor Saludo and Val Ozibo, you know, yes, both of them, they, they, they have what it takes, I think, uh, to, to lead, uh, my state. This is a state that gave us uh, Professor Chino Achebe, uh, Obieze Kwesli, Dora Kunyili, um, uh, Alexa Kweme. Um, I think we would we, we deserve someone that is not Andy Oba, for God's sake. You know, so I think that was a fight that we 
were all willing to, to, to fight. It was worth fighting. You know, we didn't want to sit back and then the APC would do the abracadabra. That was probably what they were wishing would happen. And I think Afghan PDP also managed to uh, keep the rivalry, you know, decent and not too toxic, you know, so that the APC would not have the opportunity to, to do what we know that they normally would do. Uh, so that's what, um, that's what I think uh, you know, we should focus more on going forward. The, the candidates, whoever they may be, what do they have? Like what Phoenix was saying, what's, what's, what's the antecedents? Have they been tried and tested? What else have they done apart from politics? You know, so these are the questions we, we need to ask. And um, that's what I want to say. Thank you. Thank you, Francis. But I think I need to, to pin this question down. Um, I don't know if you, you were dodging it deliberately, but you, you still haven't told us who, who, who is your preferred candidate because you're from Anambra. So do, do you have a preferred one? I, I, I said I didn't have a preferred one. I think, okay, do I have to give an answer? Do I have to say, you know, um, who I was going to root for? Because obviously I, I can't vote. So I, I, I'm not um, able to vote for any of the candidates. Um, no, you, you don't have to vote, but who, who do who do you think will make the better governor? Andy Uba, uh, Peter, uh, Andy Uba, uh, no, Charles. definitely not Andy Uba, please. Oh, definitely not. Okay. No, okay. definitely not. That's why I said, you know, I said between Soludo and Ozibo, these are men. Uh, who are tried, who have been tried and tested. You know, we know what they've done outside of politics up until now. So, to be very honest, I, I don't really have. Um, I'm not able to say it's you know uh, Saludo or Zibo. Uh, I'm not able to pick one of them, um, honestly. Okay, thank you, Francis. Let me let me go to Steph. Steph, so you're also from an Anambra state, and firstly, just to confirm, you're from Ihala, the Anambra state. Is that for it? I presume. Yes, I'm from Ihala local government, Ihala town. Ihala, Ihala town. local government. And yes. So, who, who, first question is, who was your preferred candidate? Um, Val Ozibo was my preferred candidate for the elections. And I'm very proud at the outing and how the fight PDP put up in the elections. Yeah. Okay, and the follow-up question is, from my review of the results so far, it seems like this is an election that Charles Saludo is going to win. So the question is, myself, I'm an outsider, in Anambra State, I assumed Peter Obi has sufficient influence to deliver numbers for Balozibo of the PDP. So, what is going on? Why hasn't Peter Obi been able to mobilize the, the vote in the in the numbers we were expecting? Um, I think that largely falls on Peter Obi's choice uh, um, of um, Willie Obiano as successor in 2013 when he was leaving. Obiano was somebody we didn't know. We didn't have any idea about what he had, where, who he was, where he was from, what he had been about. We just knew that Peter B anointed him and he was 
an MD or staff at Fidelity Bank. I'm not sure about his um, job designation there. So he came and eight years later, this is what has Anambra State has been turned into. A cabal has been ruling Anambra since as far back as 2017. Sometimes it is said that, rumor has it that the first lady is actually the head of the cabal in the government house and the governor is not the one wearing the trousers in the house. So all that has basically um, trickled down into how things have been run in Anambra State. The only thing Obiano can boast about doing for Anambra people is that airport at Umuleri and being able to pay salaries. Every other sector of Anambra State since 2013 has been zero. So Obiano being governor is P2B's handwork. So Anambra people are not trusting of P2B and his, would I say, choices in successors anymore. Yes, he was. He has been our best governor so far. Yes, he did a lot for Anambra, but then people are still skeptical. And then Val Ozigotu is not somebody that is that was also known by the, he was not as popular as um, Charles Soludo. Let me put it like that to put it into context. He wasn't as popular as um, Charles Soludo. So a lot of questions on the lips of Indiana Ambra was uh, the same person that they brought, uh, that brought uh, Willie Obiano. He wasn't known. They brought this one again, even though Val has been going around the local governments and towns in Anambra doing his groundwork both in Anambra, Lagos and Abuja, it still wasn't enough because a lot of people, you know, once between twice shy have been very skeptical about, you know, going with another unknown person that P2B is backing. So I guess that is like the major factor that has made India Anambra just say, ah, the Soludo we know in APGA is better than the VAL we don't know in um, PDP. So that's the reason from my own perspective. Over to you. Thank you, Steph. I need to get further clarification on this point. You said Peter Obi brought Obiano and Obiano has not delivered. So there's a sort of the, the consequence of that is people are not as happy as with, with Peter Obi as they should. But my, my question is, my, my experience, because I have a few friends who are from Anambra State, and I get the impression that Anambra people, I'm not stereotyping, but I get the impression that they're, they're very independent-minded types of people. So now that Obiano has brought Charles Toludo, do you think there's going to be some kind of Lagos-style arrangement where there's a Bola Tinubu who is coordinating the governor? Or do you think there's going to be a fallout between uh, Soludo and Obiano once he's sworn in? I predict a fallout between Obiano and Soludo once he is sworn, not once he's sworn in, but give it time before he's halfway into the tenure, the cracks will show. And if there is anything I know about Anambra people is we don't like godfathers. And that is the reason why the Uba family has been sent back in and nobody's allowing them an inch near the government house. If Obiano or Apga or Victor May or any of the Apga stalwarts prove to have those godfather-like tendencies, Anambra people will send them packing. It is almost certain. And another thing about that godfatherism and why 
they have um, also rejected, it's also why Anambra people have also rejected, let's say, P2B's, will I say, choices or support for PDP candidates. Anambra people also chose not to go along with them, um, say, local Obaze in 2017, and now um, Val or Zibo, because some people are trying to paint it like um, they see it as maybe an extension of P2B and all that. And anybody that has that Godfather-like tendencies is somebody that will definitely run into problems with Indianambra. So there is no chance for that. And Soludo is not even the type of person to, did I say panda or be a lucky to anyone? He doesn't come across to me as somebody that will be anyone's lucky, least of all, will you, um, will you be, no? He's... Would I say over and above will you be annoying most uh, ramifications? So I don't think Toludo would be will you be lucky or Abgar's lucky in when when he's sworn in. Thank you, Steph, uh, for this. Perhaps you might be right, but we'll see if, if a fight breaks out. But it'll be quite interesting to see those Peter will be to. Obiada, there was a little quarrel after the, the uh, Obiada was sworn in, so it'd be, it'd be quite interesting to see if, if he happens again. But well, my final question yes. is my final question is to Phoenix on this topic. Um, Phoenix, on Twitter, I've been in a few discussion groups with a number of voters and listened and followed a few conversations. There seems to be a lot of expectation that Soludo is going to come in and transform the state. So in your in your opinion, do you think even if he wanted to, do you think he has the powers to do so, given the limited nature of the constitutional powers of a governor? Do you think Saludo can deliver what Anambrarians Anam are expecting, Phoenix? I, I think, I mean, if there's any state where the people are well within their rights to have hopes for good governance, I think it's Anambra state. I think, I mean, people still remember that with this same constitution, Peter Obi was able to do, I mean, the stuff that, I mean, has has put him in a good light. I mean, let's forget his his uh, poor choice of successor, but his his eight years in power remains the the benchmark, I would say, for any Nigerian governor um, under this democratic dispensation. Um, so, for me, if that history already exists, then he has no excuse in terms of saying that any constraints stop him from delivering um, good God governance and restoring back and even trying to outdo what, what Peter Obi did. So it, the, the onus is on him to go do that. Do I have faith in him that he can do it? I, I think to what I said earlier, the, 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 the technocrat seems to be... Um, He's, I mean, in the distant past, and how how he's able to bring that back is is what we what remains to be seen. I think in his current guise as a as a politician, I don't have much faith in a, in what he will be looking to do. But I mean, they always say give give people a chance and see and see what they do when they get power. Um, does he have the mental cap capacity? Does he have the capability? Absolutely. I mean, we've seen we've seen that in his past, but has he also shown character that, you know, mirrors that of how Nigerian politicians behave and Nigerian elites behave 
Uh, we've also seen that. So for me, that, that's the big question mark on whether he's able to deliver. But he has no excuse. Peter will be delivered. So there is a benchmark. He needs to aspire to that benchmark and to beat it uh, and then show us what he is able to do. The good thing is at least he's coming via Apga, right? So he has no, uh, how would I put it, to Steph's point. He has no, of course, Adam Brands would, would push back against uh, uh, Godfathers. But, I mean, coming via Apga also gives you that fact that you're not in this large party and part of that uh, setup that usually makes things a bit more difficult. So it's on him, on, on whether he's ready to build a legacy or not. Thank you, Felix. Um, time will tell. Um, let's just hope that we don't get another, in quotation, Supreme Court governor, because I can see the APC is already making noises about rigging and threatening to go to the Supreme Court. So, who's <laughs> <laughs> himself, who said, who, who they call Supreme Court governor of Imo State, who has threatened that uh, APC will go to court over Anambra. So, it'd be quite interesting if we get two Supreme Court governors within the APC. But on to our next topic, the, the tragedy in Lagos State, a building being constructed by Foursquare Homes collapsed. And so far, it's been said that over 40 people have died. So firstly, coming to you again, um, Phoenix, Gerard Road, a prominent part of Ikoi, where the rich people, people, people like yourself, Phoenix, probably have apartments in Ikoi because you're you're not like us, you're the 1%. So first question is, how, yeah. how did this tragedy happen? <laughs> so, are you there, Phoenix? Yeah, I'm here. Why, why did you mute yourself? I said, how did this tragedy happen? You, you tell us, because you're, you're the Ikoi pedigree. So to talk us through my How they okay, this one that you are watching me. What's going on? Okay, <laughs> I, I, from your from your from your lips to God's ears. I, I mean, Michael. I think the, the first way you described it is is apt. It is a it is a tragedy, an absolute tragedy. And and for me, I mean, I've I've looked at it from afar and 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 followed it. And I mean, of course, saddened by the unnecessary loss of life, saddened by another. Um, emblem of of Nigeria as a failed state because for me I, I, I've, I've been saying this for a while that we, I mean this country is is totally off course and needs a, a significant correction to, to come back on track and and this is this is what you see because there, there are two there are two sides to it there's a side of of a businessman who, you know, after a while of people being successful, they get emboldened and then start to believe their own hype, start to believe their own um, headlines. And, and, and that's what I read. I mean, all, all the stuff that is coming out, of course, um, the, the, the video I watched of, of him talking on TV, you know, with, with the arrogance and shorty of, oh, I've done this several times, so I know better than all of these experts. Then you see Dele Momodu trying to, to, to whitewash his, his uh, a friend, acquaintance, call it what you will. 
but clearly there's 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 something wrong there because i mean people build towers right and people do this kind of construction and and i mean more often than not they're sturdy and and stand the test of time so you have to be doing something and and in and in 2021 with where technology has taken us with where knowledge of how to do these kinds of things have taken us you have to be doing something clearly wrong for, for something to go wrong this to this extent so there is that part there is that part of the human the failure of the human being and 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 all of that but for me the bigger part of this whole story is the failure of the state it is the failure of the state because now yeah, you, yeah, you're finding a, a clown of a governor setting up a committee to find out how somebody got governor's consent. Sorry, isn't governor's consent from your own table? You find deputy governor and head of the agency that gave approval at odds with each other over, oh, he, he was giving approval for only 15 floors. He ended up with 21 floors. And, you know, it just... <clears throat> The state has, just continues to fail people because we, we, we let the worst of us get into positions of power. They entrench themselves. They are there to enrich themselves. They, they, and therefore, they let all manner of um, bad behavior go unpunished. There is no consequence for, for wrongdoing. That's why you find that people get, people start doing something wrong and people turn the turn turn the blind eye because they, they are being settled or, or somebody is, in, is connected to somebody in power. Because, I mean, if you give somebody approval for only 15 floors, surely you're not blind. You can see when he puts up the extra six, right? So you should have been doing something. Apparently, this same chap was, was arrested um, on the orders of the governor. And of course, because they, they are connected, they get released and he carried on doing the same thing. Now, some people will say, oh, karma has, has come up, but what about the innocents who, who also uh, were lost and, and the families they left behind? So for me, there's, it's, it goes back to Nigeria, how we are structured today, how we, we have this state of decay of our institutions, we have so many things going wrong that to bring Nigeria back requires the effort of each and every one of us choosing the better way. It may be tough, it may be hard, it may be, I mean, you know, it's nothing good comes easy, right? But if, if we as Nigerians don't choose the, the right path, this is, these are the kind of things that will, that will continue to happen. And, and you know, innocent lives cut short in their, in their prime. I mean, really young people, People who are, you know, chasing after their means of livelihood get sucked into this, and it it really is sad. I I I I felt very very sad about about this whole thing. It's 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 just you know it just brings to life all of the issues that we talk about and why you know elections have consequences. Why um, I mean this voter apathy thing upsets me, you know, just looking at the wider Nigeria and every sector and saying, look, guys, we need to take this country back. We need to find a way to put good people 
in 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 places of, of of authority or power so that they undo all of this mess and build a begin to build a country that will make sense and be good for everyone because this, this is how everything breaks down thank you phoenix that that is quite uh it made me laugh when you said the governor has ordered an investigation to find out how the builder got governor's consent. I'm telling you, and, it was shocking to me. I mean, <laughs> something that emanates from your office, you are building, you are setting up a committee to go and find it out. It's just like I'm tired. Yeah, but <laughs> this one I need to bring in. I'll bring in Steph at this point because uh, Daily Momodu, as you know, the politician who has just joined the PDP, but also a political commentator, wrote an article and it explained how. The, the founder of Foursquare Homes, Mr. Oshibona. Dilemomodu says he's a cousin of the vice president, although the vice president has then denied any connection to the building. At least we now know that, or somebody has publicly said it, that he's the, he's the vice president's cousin. Now, the question I have for you, Steph, is reading the, the BBC reports on the incident, uh, somebody said when the building collapsed it was the workers who were trying to rescue their colleagues that for four hours the it took the excavator four hours to show up and when it showed up it broke down within 15 minutes and then rescue trucks were running out of fuel that's what the bbc is reporting so what is going on uh, steph you mean lagos state with all its revenue cannot organize a proper a rescue operation, Steph? When people say, when people on Twitter and a few others outside say that your money won't save you in Nigeria, and even if you're earning millions of dollars monthly, your money won't save you in Nigeria, this incident, this tragedy in Ikoyi is a very clear example. We literally have no emergency response services in this country as has been, you know, depicted by this tragedy. How can a building code, let's even leave all the building code violations and whatnot that they've, how can, imagine, how can an excavator come to a site and they run out of well after 15 minutes. I saw a video online where the, um, the um, there was a crane, a very large crane, just trying to pick out the debris that had fallen, the debris of the building. And it just reminded me of where these, you know, big cranes go to demolish buildings in maybe Kaduna or Abuja. And I'm like, if somebody is in that building, the person has a better chance of dying from that crane that is busy picking at the debris willy-nilly than, you know, the, the weight of the concrete and all that crushing the person. It just speaks to the fact that we have no structure, we have no institutions, and as a result, everybody is just doing what they like, how they like it, and then innocent people are paying the price. For example, a 19-year-old was, was part of the people's stock at the site. His dad entered night bus all the way from 
Abuja down to Lagos just so that he could even see the boy's body. And there are so many stories like that. Somebody relocated from Borno to resume work at the company and then she's trapped there. It's just sad and you know heartbreaking that ordinary people have to pay the price for the greed and ineptitude of both the government and you know property real estate developers in Lagos is really really sad so yes there is no we have we have no structure and we have no no structure for emergency response services whatsoever and it's it should be this should be like a clarion call for the whole Lagos state center of excellence to actually you know get onto developing a plan of some sort to get these things put in place. Thank you, Steph. I'm gonna bring in Francis. Uh, Francis, another aspect of the report said that even when the builders began work, the governor of Lagos State, Samuel Lu, showed up and the builders stopped work to acknowledge him. And the crowd, as the families of people who were still trapped, were screaming at them that, look, people are dying and you're stopping work because the governor is here. And the governor was giving some sort of speech or press conference. And people were shouting that, look, will you just leave the place and let the builders get on with their work or the, the, the rescuers? So is, 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 this, is this a normal way to behave that you're trying to rescue people and then the governor shows up and then you stop? Is, is this normal, Francis? Oh, I'm not sure what to say about this. Um, you know, when we talk about tragedies, we also talk about avoidable tragedies. And this is one of such, you know, one of those avoidable tragedies that shouldn't have happened in the first place. But before we start, I just want us to, um, I just want to say, you know, uh, that um, the souls that we have lost uh, may they rest in peace because this is, you know, when the news broke, it was so disquieting. And um, I'm sure all of us, you know, we found it very difficult to, to, to comprehend how this could happen in 2021. And what it shows all of us, you know, whether we're APC or PDP or whatever, you know, when I say I'm a good governance advocate, you know, you were saying, uh, what does it mean? Uh, for me, the level of ad hocry in our society is beyond shocking. It is beyond shocking because we do know the right things to do because, you know, some of us who find ourselves outside the shores of Nigeria, when we come um, to these societies where we say, okay, things are not dysfunctional, we are law abiding, we're productive members of those societies we migrate to. So, but we need to ask ourselves, what is it that happens to our brains that we function differently when we find ourselves, you know, within uh, the confines of the geographical space we call Nigeria. As young children, we saw our parents bemoaning their fate, oh, Nigeria is this, or oh, the abysmal state of affairs, the dysfunction in the society, the military did this. Okay, now we've come, you know, we are now in a democratic uh, dispensation, but nothing has changed. It's just the same. Um, I don't know how we're all coping with this. And um, where, where does it end? You know, and my, exactly. biggest, my, biggest, my biggest fear is that this should be a sobering moment, like what Phoenix said and um, Steph. But my biggest fear is that no lessons would be learned from, you know, the calamity. And the, the, the way we are able to just return to business as usual, it's 
you know, it baffles me. You know, the dysfunctional society we were bequeathed as, you know, uh, now that we're adults, <laughs> we're having children. We need to ask ourselves, the, the, the downward trajectory that leadership has been on, you know, uh, uh, I don't know if we're actually uh, thinking about uh, where it's heading to. It's just going downward. It is very pathetic. And, you know, the, 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 the citizenry in Nigeria, I think, you know, people say we shouldn't be saying uh, that poverty has been weaponized, that it's now a cliche or whatever, but that's just the truth. The people in Nigeria, they are not even aware of what rights they have, because some people, like what you said, uh, the BBC report um, was saying, that they left what they were doing to rescue people who were caught, you know, who were under the rubble, to welcome some governor. Who is he? He is a servant of the state. He's a servant of the people. They shouldn't be, you know, uh, 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 rushing to go and greet him in all this sycophancy and all the things that we see in politics in Nigeria. And even when you look at the business elite in, in, in Nigeria, like what Steph was saying, that you can have all the millions in the world, so long as you are within that space called Nigeria, your money is not going to save you because we don't have a functioning system. We don't have institutions that work the police look at what the police is all about. The health sector is, you know, is nothing to write home about. Um, and we do know what to do because, you know, the ideas and what to do, the solutions, we all know what to do. Everyone knows what the right thing is, but what is it that stops us from doing the right thing? What is it? Because I'm so baffled. You know, it's, um, it's so shocking. And uh, I, I, my worry is, you know, this uh, developer, what about the other buildings that he's been involved in? Are there disasters waiting to happen as well? Are we just going to wait until the news breaks out that some building has collapsed somewhere else and then we go back to, you know, moaning and crying and saying, oh, you know, oh, God help us and all that. We don't want to do the right thing. We know what to do, but when are we going to do the right thing? When? That's the question, when? Thank you, Francis. You've, you've raised an important point that if if a if a building of, of this sort that was each, because the apartment blocks were being sold for each of the flats was being sold for one point two million dollars, and if if those flats can collapse like a pack of cards, I would be worried. If I was living in Ikoi, uh, Phoenix, you need to check your penthouse in on Gerard Road to be sure that it's still safe for you to stay there. But I need to ask you this question because the the elephant in the room or the issue nobody's addressing is. Is Bola Tinubu, because I know from my own sources that he is the the towering figure in, in land land matters, especially in Ikoi, Victoria Island, and the Lekki area. So you cannot be building that sort of structure, that sort of twenty-one story building, without his involvement. Now there've been all kinds of of rumors about it, but Phoenix, can can you shed more light because? It, 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 it seems bizarre that this man, Femi Oshibona, who nobody seems to know, he claims he was selling T-shirts in London, then suddenly miraculously became a multi-millionaire property developer. He's got this choice piece of land in Ikoi, and everybody in the government pretends that they don't know who he is. So is, is, is this story plausible, or do you think there's more to it that they're not telling us, Phoenix. So, I mean, if if you if you look at his backstory, right? I mean, of course, we heard about the the fashion 
part where, part where he started from. But there's also part of his backstory that says that he started real estate in the UK and then also did some in, in South Africa before coming to Nigeria. So he could have built that, um, that uh, reputation and be able to attract capital on coming to Nigeria. Now, you're not wrong when you say Tinubu is, um, um, is like, uh, how would I put it? <laughs> like the, he's like, he has his hands in almost every real estate pie in Nigeria, in Lagos, sorry, my, my bad, in Lagos, uh, because very quickly in his term of office, he realized that that was what Lagos had um, as, as, a, as a unique selling point and, and quickly did a lot of uh, work to, to, uh, to garner that for him and his cohorts. So prime property in Ikoi, would he, would he know about it or would he have a hand in it? This is quite possible. But the other thing is we're now in 2021, a lot of land has changed hands multiple times. So it is not, it might not necessarily be the case that he was directly involved, maybe at some point in the past he was. From what I've learned um, is that this land actually belonged to a corporate um, and that's where the guy got the land from. But, the, but I mean, there's, there's no doubt that the, the chap was connected. I mean, you've mentioned um, uh, him being related to the vice president uh, and so that, and, and we know Nigeria quite well, that that plays a key role. I mean, once you're connected to people in power, it plays a key role in you being having access uh, to certain things. So I, I would not be surprised if that plays, played a role in, in, in him doing this. But for me, I'm, I'm not so much interested in how we acquired land or for me, it's, it goes back to, you know, there's something that I think we miss, I mean, and when I see discussions on Twitter, you see a lot of times when people, you know, and I've had arguments with, with friends as well, where they make it seem as though um, they're bad people only show up in Nigeria, right? And for me, I always say to them, that look, there are bad people everywhere. The point is, there needs to be consequences for bad behavior. And the job of the state is to make sure that you put in place policies and if, and, and you make sure that you manage those policies in the right way that protects people. The state failed in this instance to protect people. The state failed to hold someone to account to make sure that what is the right way to build, what is the right approvals to get, get received and nobody deviates from it. And, and for me, that goes back to the, the Tinubu conversation. It goes back to the Oshibaju, to the, to the Songwulu, to the Fashalas of this world. In this same Lagos state, all those people have run through the state from 1999 to date. And this is the state that they've bequeathed to, the, to, to their people. Lagos state has seen significant sums of, uh, I mean, money flow through the state, be it from land, be it from taxes, federal allocations, or you don't see the commensurate progress that is expected. And then you also find that the state itself cannot protect its people by having good governance, by having the right setup 
that ensures things like this do not happen. Tinubu was the, the governor when, when we came into this democratic dispensation. His attorney general was Ushibajo. He handed over to Fashola. He's, I mean, and now we have, we've had uh, what we're on board there, and now you have this gap. Still, it's the same. They're there to feather their own nest, to progress themselves, and to leave the state in a worse shape in such that tragedies like this happen. And, and Nigerians need to begin to appreciate that and also to decide what kind of um, society do they want. That's the other thing. I mean, we're, we're joking here about a few people being able to stay in Gerard and, and all that. I wonder whether people will walk away from this and think, oh, this is a rich man's problem. And don't think about it when the time comes to go to the polls and, and you know, make sure that the APC that has continuously run the state gets the message that no, this has to stop and that we're gonna go forward with better actors in charge so that they turn the ship around. So that those are the kind of things that, that are going through my mind and wondering how, 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 do, how do Nigerians respond and make sure that the likes of Tinubu, the likes of Oshibajo and all those guys pay for this and don't get further rewarded as they now seem to be setting their eyes on a higher office. Just imagine what happens if these people, I mean, we're in a bad place to know thanks to Buhari and his cohorts, but I mean, continuing to have this kind of people in charge can only make it worse, right? Thank you, Phoenix. And you've made the valid point that aside from the founder of the company, Mr. Oshibona, who was in the building, there are many poor Nigerians who are just working there as laborers who have lost their lives. And I think that's what made the crowd more annoyed. The fact that the, the, the builders, as soon as uh, Oshibona's body was rescued, they seemed to slow down as if others did not matter. And the BBC report also talked about the fact that the way the builders or the excavators were even moving the rubble around, that was likely to kill anybody who was who even survived the initial collapse. So it, it upset a lot of people, and it, and it is upsetting. Um, a number of poor, ordinary Nigerians have died. So we also remember rem, remember their, remember their, that their families are grieving and pray that may they find eternal rest. But our time is up. So firstly, I must thank, Fran, thank Francis and Steph for taking time out to be here. Thank you, Phoenix, for co-hosting. And finally, thank you to our loyal listeners. And I wish you all a happy week. Thank you very much, Michael and Phoenix and Steph, too. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Have a good evening. Thank you, Francis. Thank you, Stephanie, for joining us. Uh, well appreciated. Uh, thanks, Michael. Thank uh, you. A great session and thank you listeners we, we we always want you to know that you're the center of everything that we do and like we said i mean if you want to join the show send us a dm let's have a discussion and uh, we'd be happy to 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 have you involved have a great week everyone and uh you know let's remember that uh, it's all about good governance and getting the best for this country and for ourselves by extension thanks everyone bye mm -hmm.